Mobile Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ. They're all advancing. The S&P and NASDAQ trading at records. We have got 13 minutes to go ahead of the close. Morgan Stanley out with earnings this morning. Shares higher now by 3.5%. T-Mobile, American Express, Qualcomm after the closing bell. S&P up 12, a gain of 5 tenths of 1%. NASDAQ up 37, up 6 tenths of 1%. The Dow up 52, up 2 tenths of 1%. Gold down 80 cents, little change there. West Texas Intermediate Crude up 1.5%, 47.11 a barrel. The tenure down 2.30 seconds at yield 2.27%. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. All right, Charlie. Thank you so much. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets. Time for the Bloomberg ETF report brought to you by BlackRock. Worried about market volatility? Minimum volatility strategies may be able to help. To learn more, please visit blackrock.com slash factors. Prepared by BlackRock Investments, LLC. Here at the Bloomberg ETF report, Bloomberg's Jenna Dagenhart. If you think American malls are going out of style, you're not alone. ProShare Advisors is proposing a trio of ETFs that will win if traditional retail loses out to online shopping. There's clearly some demand out there to be able to go short retail, and these new proposed funds really look to kind of capitalize on that. Bloomberg ETF reporter Rachel Evans says the ETFs are still in the approval stages, so we don't know what the exact holdings will be yet. But with the uh, long online short bricks and mortar retail, you can expect to see sort of online companies that have been really doing well out of the online shopping boom. So you might expect to see something like eBay or Etsy in there. On the contra side, you might expect to see some of the big box retailers that have been doing poorly, such as Sears or Macy's. Evans adds that these ETFs are a more direct way of investing for people who've already been betting against traditional retail. These funds really allow you to kind of get, just buy into a fund straight up that's already shorting it rather than having to short a fund that provides you a long exposure. I'm Jenna Dagenhart. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets with Carol Messer and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. their own view on the markets, and there are different ways to kind of look at it, especially when it comes to making investment decisions. Let's uh, bring in our next guest. He's Chris Meredith. He is head of research and senior portfolio manager at O'Shaughnessy Asset Management, roughly $6 billion in assets under management. Uh, they are based in Stanford, Connecticut. But uh, he joins us in our Bloomberg 1130 studio right here in New York City. Nice to have you here. Thank you. Welcome. Tell me about kind of your perspective, and I've talked a lot with Jim O'Shaughnessy, uh, who heads up your firm, in terms of how you guys look at the markets, but there are different ways um, to kind of look for value. How do you do it? Yeah, the key investment philosophy of the firm is that we think characteristics drive the returns of stocks. Right. So we have a different view, a quantitative view, as it were, on the marketplace, which is becoming more and more popular. It's beginning to mainstream right now. There's been a... Um, underperformance in typical fundamental investing for several of the last few years. And so there's been a replacement where people have been saying, let's see if we can go and get our edge from factor investing. What we've seen, though, is that this proliferation of products has not necessarily led to ones that would meet everybody's investment goals out there. Right. Um, a lot of the products that we see are built more for scale or risk control, and a lot fewer are built for returns. And for us at O'Shaughnessy, we believe that the returns, and we're here to solve return gaps for people and look to provide excess returns so we construct them a different way. And so what O'Shaughnessy's been doing is spending a lot of time trying to educate clients, 
coming through as uh, it's very difficult for somebody who's not a quantitative investor to pull these apart uh, and to determine which product is right for them. We've been spending a lot of time talking with clients about what's under the hood and different types of strategies. So are you pushing back against kind of the wave of factor-based investing? We we like the, the wave of factor investing. Okay. We think that it's very good. It's just that it's hard for sometimes people to match what their investment goals are with the large number of products that are out there. Um, a lot of the products, again, are built for risk control. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of it where it's the bulk of the product is the market or market cap weighted, and they're applying very modest characteristic tilts or factor tilts to their portfolios. Uh, our belief is that if you really want to generate excess returns, you have to build more concentrated portfolios ones with very strong factor edges. Um, you know, factors themselves are not commodities. They're not the same for everybody that's out there. No. Uh, and the portfolio construction methodologies can be very different. So there's what we're trying to offer is a little bit of a framework for how you can go through and look at these products. Chris, I've had tons of conversations with people about factor investing, and there's some who are very skeptical of it and saying, well, yeah, you can back time any methodology yeah. and you can make it work. It says nothing about what's going to happen in the future. Well, the parts for us is that we think what we're doing is we're systematizing very fundamental base ways of investing. It all starts with an intuitive economic concept, right? Value investing, as I've been reading a bunch about it, the earliest concept I can see is back in the South Sea bubble. Mm-hmm. Archibald Hutchinson was showing how he was going through and saying, this is crazy. Nobody should be buying this back in you know the early 1700s because of the valuations and what you expect out of the yield, right? Benjamin you know, Graham, Graham, and, right. Graham and Dodd. You're right. looking at this and saying that it's one where value investing has been around for a very long time. Now, what we can say is that it has worked, right? Out of our strategies, 15 out of 16 have beaten the benchmark since inception, and we've been managing money over 20 years. The parts of this are the question of will it work in the future, right? And so that what we can agree on is it has worked. So break it down a little bit, and I do this with Jim, but, you know, somebody walks in and they say, okay, so explain exactly what what you guys are looking at. Mm-hmm. What we're looking for are stocks, and we're looking for them across a broad number of metrics, right? It's not just valuation, but we also look at the other parts of the, the characteristics of the stocks to ensure there are stocks out there that are cheap for a reason. You want to avoid those. Uh, and that's areas where you can look at other characteristics like the balance sheet. Right. What's the leverage on the balance sheet and which direction is it headed? Uh, quality of the earnings, whether companies are boosting their earnings through accounting choices. Uh, the momentum of the stock, whether it's seen you know, a big precipitous decline, and that's what's driving the valuation, even though it might Dividends, cash flow? Dividends and cash flow. All of these are things that come through within, in particular, also buybacks, looking at that and seeing how a company is not diluting equity shareholders by issuing shares. All these build a profile of a stock that you'd want to build. You want to have a portfolio of these stocks, typically with a certain dimension of to match a investment allocation within your portfolio, value, momentum, yield, all of these can achieve various objectives inside of what a person wants to do. Are you guys, and I know you tend to buy and you hold for a while. Yes. A long time. Yeah, we wind up having a holding period of about 12 to 18 months, right? So what we're not doing is the quarterly turnover. Um, There's a lot of... quantitative managers out there that would be trying to predict earnings and trying to figure out, get ahead of that cycle. That's not what we do. We look to buy more investments that are going to have it on a one-year basis. It also allows for good tax management. All right. Now, I may be putting you on the spot, but I, you know, and I don't know, like Jim and I often talk about, you know, specific names. Are there any names that have been popping up, you know, based on your, <laughs> he's looking at me no. like, I can't believe you just did this. No, to me. we don't, we don't like talking about names in particular. What we like are talking about the characteristics. 
So what we do is we build portfolios that typically have deep discounts, right? So overall, we're building a portfolio of stocks, basket of stocks that are going to be trading at a PE at like a 30%, 40% discount to what the market is within the Mind you that those other metrics are in place as well. Correct. So you're going to see quality metrics that are in line to better. You're going it to see buyback be- yields that are better. And- you know, but and it must be tough in this environment where the market just continues to chug higher, yeah. despite some of the questions or despite some of the issues. Whether it's you know some of the you know promised um, reforms to come out of the new administration not kind of happening as expected. I mean, the market just churns higher. And it's been a, it's been a period of time, and this is part of the struggle of fundamental management, where value has underperformed growth for so long. Right, right. It's been one since two thousand seven. A uh, lot of internal discussions around the reasons why is it the low interest rate environment? Is it the low growth environment? People are paying up a premium for the growth stocks that are out there, which can be a headwind for value investors, right? Do you guys find that you're putting more in cash right now? Kind of waiting for those opportunities? We actually were fully invested. So the part for us is our clients, they're the ones making the allocation decisions of whether to be in the market or not. We're in all the time. What we're doing is opportunistically looking for what's the cheapest that's out there. And we've been able to generate excess returns because we're able to buy the stocks at the discount. Even in this growth environment where stocks with the best growth are that are they're outperforming. You can still find it. We can still find it. Are you finding investors looking to allocate new money? I would say that domestic equity is a tougher place, and particularly in large cap. I'd say small cap in the more inefficient areas of the market, which is what we like to think about as the small cap, micro cap, international, uh, yeah, we're hearing more, more esoteric classes. Esoteric classes. We're seeing more allocations towards that. Nice to get some time with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Say hello to Jim. Chris Meredith, Head of Research, Senior Portfolio Manager at O'Shaughnessy Asset Management, $6 billion in assets uh, under manager based in Stanford, Connecticut, in our New York studio, right here on Bloomberg. <laughs> 